Live from the bridge at the Launchpad Studios in Huntington, New York, it's Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Cardboard Memories, Clearview, Long Island, the law firm of Decalator Cohen Brand Performance for 30 years, Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, and Soho Table Hockey. Here are your hosts, Mark and A.J. Joining us now is a man who was the 42nd overall pick of the Vancouver Canucks in the 1994 NHL Draft. He would play 659 games in the NHL with the Vancouver Canucks, New York Islanders, Boston Bruins, Phoenix Coyotes, Nashville Predators, and St. Louis Blues. But 14 years in the league took its toll on him, and after his fifth concussion left him with slurred speech, headaches, and traumatic brain injuries, he embarked on a journey around the world to restore his health and reinvent his life. He shares that journey in an amazing new book, The Comeback, My Journey Through Heaven and Hell. It is a pleasure to welcome Dave Scatchard to Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Dave. Hey, hey, what's going on, Phyllis? Nothing much. You know, it's interesting because I've written eight books and I realize how personal the dedication of a book can be. Your dedication reads as follows. This, dedicated, this is dedicated to my dad, a man who allowed me to chase my dreams fearlessly and who I always knew believed in me, a man with wisdom and someone who had a direct connection to the truth, a man who would help anyone, anytime, because that was the fabric that he was made of. He was my hero, my friend, and my idol. I love you, Dad. I miss you, and I hope you're having fun in heaven. P.S. Give God a hug for me. So also the book, you know, you, you realize the, the relationship you have with your dad when you talk about him and all the things he did. But what were some of the main things that your dad did that showed you that he had the confidence in you? And how did that manifest you into being an NHL player? Um, yeah, geez, you get me emotional as I'm just thinking about him. Um, he was such a special human being. And it wasn't just me that he gave hope to. He gave he gave hope to everyone that he met. And he he had the unique ability to see the best in people and to see their potential. Uh, he coached me every single year of my NHL career, or sorry, my not like my minor hockey career, all the way up except for one year where, when we moved. <clears throat> um, he had a physical education teaching degree, but he ended up working in the coal mines in Alberta. So he was a natural teacher, but at his funeral, um, we had dozens and dozens of, of testimonies from people that that shared what my dad meant to them and what kind of person he was and how he believed in them more than they believed in themselves. And and he got more out of them as as players, as young men, as as people. And he had the unique ability to draw the best out of people because he could see something that, that they couldn't see in themselves. And, you know, having him be my dad, um, you know, it was, it was unique at the funeral because there were so many amazing stories that people shared that I had no idea about, but so many times guys said, like, I wish your dad was my dad. Like mm -hmm. he was, he was that important to me in my life. And thank you for sharing your dad with me. And I was like, wow. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm lucky that I did get 72 years with him, and he did pass much earlier than anybody anticipated. Um, but that was his time, and uh, he was a wonderful human, and I just hope that I can walk in his shoes moving forward. Yeah, and, and you do pay a great tribute to him the way you describe him in the book. Your love for hockey starts at a very early age, and like for Islander fans, 
that are complaining that it used to take them 15 minutes to get to Nassau Coliseum and now it's going to take them 35 minutes to, to get to UBS or Ranger fans who were saying, you know, if I don't catch a train at 920, it's going to take me, you know, an hour and a half to get home. Your, your treks to watch an NHL game included occasional three-hour drives to Edmonton and back the same night. Um, even if you had school the next day. Uh, but those were the Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messier, Glenn Anderson, Grant Fuhrer, Andy Moog, Kevin Lowe Oilers. What did those marathon trips mean? Not only, you know, to watching the game and your love of hockey, but those six-hour trips with your dad. Man, you know, we didn't get to go to a lot of games. It was, you know, like I said, we didn't have a lot of money. Um, we couldn't afford hotel rooms or anything. Uh, so we would just drive back or we'd, you know, there's a story in the book where we sleep in our truck outside mm -hmm. of the arena before a game uh, when I was trying out for a, a, a team. Medicine hat, you know, right. Yeah, so, like, uh, you know, that wasn't, I don't know, it, it just seemed like I just thought everybody did that. <laughs> um, and, you know, my dad was my best buddy, so we never – we never really butted heads. He was a real hard ass, meaning like he had really high standards and he was almost like a army dad with what he expected. But as long as like he was fair, he, he never, he never over pushed and he never demanded too much. He just believed in you so much that if, if you slacked or, or, um, or lazy, you know, that's when you probably have a conversation. But for the most part, he was, he let me do whatever I wanted. He, he told me I could be anything I wanted to be. Um, and he just said, I just want you to like, you know, outwork everybody. And, and as long as you're trying your hardest, I, that's, that's all I want as a dad. And, you know, I've tried to continue that with my kids. And for some reason, I don't think they quite have <laughs> the internal drive that I was born with, but you know, it doesn't mean I love him any less. It's just interesting to think back. And actually, the truth is, after my kids have read, read my book, I've noticed a much harder work ethic in them. And uh, that, that's a beautiful byproduct that I wasn't expecting, for sure. Wow. You know, and, and your dad also um, proves his total confidence in you. And, and I love this story. Uh, it's about how your junior career gets started. There wasn't a draft for juniors back then. Uh, they could reserve certain players by listing them. You go to camp, as you mentioned, sleeping in the car for Medicine Hat, and then they just said they didn't think you were a good fit, and there was another opening somewhere else. Can you pick up that story and, and tell us you know, <laughs> what yeah. confidence your dad had you in as a 15 in something other than hockey? I'm telling you, like the way things were, and I think the way things are nowadays are a little <laughs> different. And um, you know, I'm only 45, but uh, my dad grew up on the farms in Alberta, and uh, he was probably driving trucks and tractors since he was like 12 years old. Like that's just the kind of lifestyle he had. And we were at a training camp in Medicine Hat, and I had a great game. I think I had two or three goals, and like, you know, we knew that Portland was interested in us, and we knew that Medicine Hat was interest, interest, interested in us, and they were kind of the same weekend. Now, the only way that I could do all of Portland's camp was to drive through the night um, to get there by the morning. But the problem was, was like we were in Medicine Hat and we wanted to show our stuff for at least a game or two. And my dad said, Hey, like, what do you guys think? Are you going to list Dave? Like, are you going to protect him? 
And they're like, well, it's too early to tell. Like, you know, and my dad's like, what do you mean? He just scored three goals. Like, if you're not going to do it here, we're going to head to Portland or to Sherwood Park, Alberta, where Portland's camp is. And they just kind of let us go. They didn't really fight for me. So we started driving and my dad just kept, I saw him kept like shaking his head and he was trying to drink coffee. And like, this is like, this is, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night or something like that. It was after a game. And we had a six hour drive ahead of us to get there. And I think my first ice session was at like seven or eight in the morning. And he just looked at me and he goes, Hey bud, he goes, if we're going to get there on time, like you got to drive. He's like, I'm falling asleep at the wheel. Like you got to just drive. And I was like, dad, I don't know how to drive. <laughs> he's like, he's like, listen, just point the car down the middle of the road and have one tire on each side of the yellow line. And this is like the prairies in Alberta where the road doesn't bend for about, you know, three <laughs> hours. And he's like, if you see any farm trucks or any like uh, trackers for some reason out here in the middle of the night, just pull over on the side of the road and let them go by. So like, if anybody knows when you first start driving, like, like you kind of oversteer, like you overcompensate. It's like, so I was weaving back and forth across the road for like the first like five or 10 minutes. Thankfully, no cars were coming. And I kept like thinking my dad's just going to reach over and like with his left hand and just straighten out the wheel because he's in the passenger side now. And like, he never did. And there were a couple of times where like I'm heading right for the ditch and I'm like looking at him like, and, and he's just sound asleep. Like, like a little baby and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got to like figure out these brakes. I got to figure out the gas. And I was like literally driving. And by the time, you know, I'd say 30, 40 minutes in, I kind of started to get the hang of it. And I was like, all right, let me just try to stay on my side of the road. And, and that was just what we did. And, and I don't know how many hours I drove. It was a few hours. And then we started to pull into the city of Sherwood park in Edmonton, Alberta, where it was like lots of traffic and the sun starts to come up. And I'm like, dad, dad, wake up, buddy. Like, I'm not driving in this, I'm not driving in the city. And I pulled over. He's like, Oh, good job, buddy. And then like, <laughs> he just takes over. That is awesome. So, yeah, man, we had so many crazy stories like that. And there were a couple of stories I didn't get to put in the book just because we wanted to kind of keep it concise. But I remember driving through some of the snowiest conditions you've ever seen. And one time we were driving to this town i think it was called drayton valley or something and the cars were spinning down the middle of the road because there's so much ice and there's like a ditch on each side and a little hillside on one side and this other farm truck is coming towards us and we both are spinning like a helicopter you know blade towards each other and i just closed my eyes a brace for impact and somehow we were rotating at the perfect like way where we never struck each other um <laughs> that guy kind of slid a little bit into the ditch and whatever but i saw him like you know put the pedal to the metal and he kind of scampered out and we just ended up backwards in the middle of the road on the other side of the guy and we never hit and like i looked at him my dad looked at me and we're just like oh my goodness like that was crazy hmm. like there were so many road trips that we took that were like pretty far drives and it's a miracle we never you know we never really had any major issues but that was just the way of life for us um yeah. we we had a really strong small town team and we got kicked out of our league because we were beating teams like 20 to nothing and mm -hmm. stuff so nobody wanted to play us so uh, then we had to go play all these exhibition games all over the all over alberta and my dad would like call teams and be like hey 
can we drive to your town and play you guys? Because my kids don't have anybody to play. And that was like one of the years that we played. So, yeah. Anyways, yeah, yeah. You even talk about renting out the uh, where the Oilers played, which was a, a great story, too. You start getting scouted, and it's obvious you're going to be drafted. And I'm pretty sure that your answer to George McPhee, who was then the assistant GM of Vancouver, is probably the reason why the Canucks chose you. Uh, the question he asked you was about, play, about playing in the, the minors, and you gave him an answer, and he followed up with, but how long would you want to play there? Could you tell our audience what your answer to him was and what his reaction was? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Like, I had nine interviews at the draft. Everyone asked all different questions, and you know, there's some weird things, too. I don't know if I put it, put this in the book, but, like, I remember, like, and this would not fly in 2021, but I remember, like, a couple of them, they would have us, like, take off our shirts and stuff, and they were, like, and sometimes, like, our pants, and they would be, they'd claim that they were looking for, like, scars or surgeries that, like, weren't in our bios, you know what I mean? Like, because they were going to draft us, they wanted to make sure that we weren't, like, in you know had secret injuries or something i don't know it was weird but uh one of the things we did uh was i i had an interview with george and he said uh, dave if you we really really um think you have potential but you're you're kind of rough around the edges um if we did draft you and you had to go play in the minor leagues like what would you think about that? And I'm like, well, it's part of the learning process. The minor leagues are better than juniors. So like, that's not bad. And he goes, okay, but like, let's just say it stay there for a while. And I'm like, yeah, well, I just stay there. And he's like, well, like, what if you had to stay there for like a few years? Like how long would you stay before you go to like Russia or Europe and, and, and leave? And I'm like, well, I wouldn't. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, like, I want to play in the NHL. I don't want to play in Russia or Europe. Like if, if the minor leagues is the way that I got to get to the NHL and I got to play 10 years there and figure out how to become an NHL player, then that's what I'll do. Like I'm all in on this. And, and, and he just smiled and he looked at me and he goes, I've interviewed a lot of guys today, but he's like, that's the, that's the best answer I've had today. And he goes, Oh, by the way, I don't know if you know, but you finished first in the central scouting fitness testing, which is like, the NFL combine, if anybody doesn't know what that is. And, you know, he goes, we can't teach people how to be ath athletes. We could teach them how to play hockey though. Mm -hmm. And um, that, that was a really big compliment because I actually didn't know, I didn't know the results. You just work your butt off and I could tell I was doing good because at the fitness testing and, you know, everyone's standing around watching, but like, you know, I didn't know how good until he told me that. So that was pretty cool. The, the book then takes us through your NHL journey, and when you see it on paper, it, it takes a different meaning. <clears throat> I try to notate all the injuries. Uh, and I'm not sure I got them all, but let's give it a try. Um, <clears throat> Twelve broken noses, uh, broken bones in your face and knuckles, hands, forearms, and both your knees, three shoulder surgeries, three ankle surgery, and, of course, the injury that ended it all for you was a fifth concussion, which caused some micro-hemorrhaging in your brain. How difficult was it? you know, putting all that down on paper and, and kind of having to relive every one of those injuries? <sighs> well, you know, in a way, it was kind of shocking because I started looking at it. I'm like, well, you know, and you missed a few, like broken orbital bone, mm -hmm. my front teeth knocked out, you know. Uh, I remember broken ribs I was playing with. Um, you know, people don't know that. 
Like, it's not like it's the announcer's like, yeah, Dave's Dave's uh, playing with three broken ribs right now. And, uh, you know, like nobody knows what the players are going through. And I think I did put this in the book that like probably 85% of the games that NHL guys are playing, like there's something sore, like your, your groin muscles, your back, your, your shoulders, your, your feet from blocking shots. Like you're never really feeling like, Oh yeah, I feel incredible today. Like that doesn't really happen very often. So to go through, like, I just saw your, uh, Zdeno Chara is playing his <laughs> 22nd year or 20. I don't know. He's, he's getting 1600 NHL games. He's, He's like third or fourth on the list of all time. He could have the most NHL games played for defense in this year. And Z, you know, he plays a physical game. Like he, people are running into him. He's running into people. He's blocking shots. He's, he's, you know, doing whatever he can. And to be able to play for 20 something years like that, it just, it takes a special human being to be able to like fight through those injuries and, you look at guys like um, this guy in Florida, Keith Yandel. I think he's played like 900 games straight or right. some Ironman streak that's insane. Like, I know Yand. He's not this big, strong – like, I mean, he's obviously a sick athlete and everything like that. But if you looked at him on paper, you're like, how do you play against these monsters every day and, like, not get hurt and stay healthy and just have good luck and, like, all these things? It's, it's really incredible, um, you know – uh, and I'm proud to be an NHLer. I'm really proud to be an alumni of these people and these group, this group. And, you know, I'm not biased because I'm a hockey player, but like if you ask any of the trainers at like athletes performance here in Scottsdale or like the media, they'll often say like my hockey guys are our favorite guys. Like, yeah. <laughs> you guys are pretty, pretty easy going and you're all pretty good dudes. And we're just down to earth humans. And I'm really proud to to be able to share the book and tell a little bit behind the scenes on, you know, what the NHL is like and what's really going on behind the scenes. And uh, the feedback's just been incredible. I had a lady reach out to me the other day and buy 50 books um, for all, everyone she knew. She's like, you got to get this message out. It's so good. Um, it's inspirational. It's, it's motivational. And it, there's a lot of like learning and teaching in it, which is really cool. So yeah, man, I'm, it's 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 really an honor to be able to share my story, and I, I didn't think I'd be able to finish it. It was so difficult to do, and I never stopped, Like kind of like my career. I just kept going and trying to figure out a way to get it out there and compress 45 years of my life into 260 pages. And I have people that, like, I did a podcast. These guys flew into Arizona to come do a podcast at my house, and they're like, Dave, we don't read books. Like neither one of us, we don't, we're not book readers. And and both of us read this book in two days. They're like, it was freaking awesome. I'm like, wow, cool. Like, thanks. You know? So we made Amazon bestseller list right away. Um, so that was exciting. So yeah, man, it's just a little fun, fun thing. And I'm, I'm excited about where it's going to take us for sure. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because anyone that's listened to the, our show over the last 16, 17 years knows that we must have mentioned that a hundred times that the NHL players and when you get to cover them, they're the best, you know, of any sport. They are down to earth. And we, we also 
you know, we've, we've done shows just trying to figure out why. And we think it's a lot because like you said, those three hour rides with your dad to rinks and, and, you know, the team bonding, you know, sitting next to your line mates and just the closeness it, it, it you know, does. And, but the book is absolutely fantastic. One of the stories, the, the, the story about your fifth concussion and your near death experience is very emotional, especially the part about your son Sawyer. Um, can you share that with our audience before we let you go? <laughs> What, are you trying to get me to cry? Uh, <laughs> um, well, you're going to have to get the book to get the whole story. <laughs> but um, I, I, I literally um, crossed over to the other side um, during my fifth concussion. I, I, I left my body. I had a meeting with God. Um, and this is coming from somebody who didn't go to church as a kid. I didn't have religion in my life or anything. But this was a real meeting and i'm not going to get into all the details of it but it was the most incredible experience of my life and i end up having a little bit of dialogue back and forth and as i'm walking with the light and and god um i have this flash and i see my littlest son sawyer who was one or two at the time uh throw himself on my casket as the grave digger was slowly lowering it in and they, and he got hit with some dirt that they were shoveling onto the casket. And my daughter was crying and my other son was crying. My wife was crying. And I just, I just had this momentary flash of this vision and I stopped and I said to God, I said, like, can I go back? And the message back to me was, well, you can, but you don't have to, you're home. It's okay. And I'm like, um, I don't know. I think I might have to go back. It's like, well, I'll take care of them. Everything's going to be okay. Really loving, um, almost a parental type of energy. And uh, anyways, this goes on and on. I finally decide my kids can't grow up without a dad. And I decide to come back. And um, before I leave, I, I say, what do you want me to do? Like, now that I know that you're real, do you want me to sell all my stuff and go on a mission trip and help people like what do you want me to do and there were two things and in a loving way it was like i want you to take this love and light that you feel here and i want you to share it with each person that you come across like they're your brother or your sister you just love on them i'm like that's it <laughs> yeah very simple message right a message that all of us could follow and then right before i'm about to come back i said is there anything else and the message to me was, I want you to share this story. So the first part, I kept my word and I truly, I'm a lover of people. I, I run a coaching business now. I help people in their business, in their life. It's a very, very um, incredible um, coaching company that we run here. But I didn't share my story until now. And it took me 10 years to be brave enough to share it, to share it like completely and honestly and openly with people. Cause I was a little bit afraid of being judged uh, or how people would react. And the story is bigger than me. It's not my story. I, I, I have no choice. I must share, share the story. So, so I did. And to be completely a thousand percent honest, there's been questions that people have had, but not one negative comment or, 
or any haters or anything. It's not like I'm out there like, you know, I don't have an agenda. I'm just telling what happened to me. And, um, you know, then when I came back, I, I really suffered for three years, like badly. I was in really terrible shape. I, I was taking Alzheimer's medicine because I had no memory. I had difficulty walking, difficulty speaking. I went into hiding. I just hid in my house. I was drinking myself to sleep. I was on uh, all these pain uh, medications and sleeping medications and concentration medication. It was terrible. The Mayo Clinic was just trying everything they could for me. And then at that point, they just said, Dave, we're sorry, but like we don't have any more protocols to run with you. Like you're just going to be permanently disabled. Like that's just how your life's going to be. And, and I was in shock and I'm like, I'm like 35 or 36 years old. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I can't, I can't keep going like this for another 40, 50 years. I thought you guys were going to fix me. <laughs> They're like, sorry, bud. Like we've done everything we can for you. And I just, I, I, I just started crying in my car and I, I didn't want to tell my wife what they said. I didn't want to tell anybody. And I didn't want to like accept their diagnosis at all. And anyways, um, I don't want to spoil the whole book, but I go on this crazy journey around the world and I'm working with guys like Tony Robbins and Tony's introducing me to these energy guys and monks and healers and shaman and grandmasters. And then I just like, I would just start like, you know, writing checks that whoever could start to help me. And, and I would just go down the rabbit hole with those people. And I discovered all these incredible emotional and psychological, uh, psychological and conscious based techniques and tools that I use now in my coaching business. And it's, it's truly magical and so nice to be able to show other people now how to do it and how to get out of the pit when you get stuck down there. Cause I was down there for a long time and I was kind of getting pretty hopeless and desperate. So it's absolutely amazing. And you know, <clears throat> the, you know, the spiritual healing has been around for centuries and when you lay it out and you see what it's done for you, it just, uh, it's eye opening. And, you know, the message of love, especially now, I mean, it, it, the, the book is the, the perfect timing because there's so much, you know, division in this country. It, it's such an inspirational yeah. and uplifting book. Where's the best place for people to get it? Uh, the easiest for everyone is to go to Amazon. And uh, it's called my, um, The Comeback, My Journey Through Heaven and Hell. Um, you know, we do have a website, allstarcoaching.com, and we've got, uh, you know, a little book links in there too but for for just if you're just looking for the book um go to uh amazon it's probably just the fastest and easiest for everybody there but yeah man um i'm grateful for the support and the kind words and um you know i'm glad that you enjoyed it and it's very common what you're saying and it's beyond um beyond what i thought it would be and um I'm really, truly grateful. Awesome, Dave. Thanks so much, and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you, brother. God you, bless. You got it. Dave Scatcherd, former NHL player, author of The 